The Start. On Demand. On demand. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. We got an email yesterday. We were talking about snow and the possibility of such yesterday morning, which didn't really materialize. And Sheila, who lives in southern Manitoba uh, in a rural area, sent us, sent us a picture of her fields. And she said, we don't have blowing snow. We have blowing soil right now. And so I, I said, can you send us a picture? And she did. And there's essentially no snow cover on her fields whatsoever. So we're reaching out to David Phillips this morning because we were talking about precipitation and what a great crop a lot of the farmers had last year. And we were in constant com- conversation with the Keystone agricultural producers throughout the spring, fall, and, uh, and, and in the summer. And they said that they lent a lot of that good luck to the precipitation we had a year and... Two months ago, basically October, November, December of 2015 16. or 16 was the reason that they had such a good crop in 2017. Well, we haven't had anything like that this early part of the winter. Yeah. And, and I'm, as you were talking about that, I'm, I'm starting to remember this isn't the first time that something like this, and I don't want to say specifically like this, but something like this has happened in southwestern Manitoba. I think it may have been. This was a couple of years ago now, I believe, where southwestern Manitoba had significantly less snow, I believe, than we had here. They were warmer than we were. And, of course, I pointed to a golf because Minnewasta <laughs> Golf Course in Morden was one of the first well, places that's your to barometer. Open. That's your barometer. Yeah, but uh, they were, it was like Morden was in this weird little silo where they were, were not affected by the same weather that we were being affected by just an hour and a half southwest of Winnipeg. So That's we'd like neat. to hear from you. It is neat. If you've got any uh, insight into that, if you're living in that part of the province and you've got pictures or, uh, uh, di- uh, you know, little anecdotes that you can share with us on that, we'd like to hear from you before 9 o'clock, gmac at cgob.com, brett at cgob.com. How concerned are you about the lack of precipitation in the late part of 2017 and now the early part of 2018? Jeff Courier and I had a brief conversation about this yesterday at the end of our program leading into his. Is increasing the minimum wage a good thing? The answer, according to Shadow Davis, is not necessarily. Good morning. For anybody that thinks the sharp jump in minimum wage that Ontario enacted on January 1st is a good idea, listen to this. Protesters held rallies at Tim Hortons across Ontario yesterday in response to some franchises making cuts to employees' benefits to compensate for the implementation of a $14 minimum hourly wage. A protest in Coburg drew hundreds, many carrying placards and flags and yelling. We told you about this whole thing last week. It started at that and one other Timmy's in Coburg after an internal note to workers from the franchise owners went viral on social media shortly before the new year. Tim Horton's corporate has called the franchisee's actions reckless and completely unacceptable, which I think is a load of crap because they're putting it all on the little guy. The franchise owners who were taking a huge financial hit without the backing of corporate to increase prices. If they can't increase prices, how else are they going to mitigate this besides cutting? And yet these franchise owners who worked their fingers to the bone for years when they first take over a Tim Hortons franchise don't make nearly as much money as you think they do. And now they're left with even smaller profits. Do these protesters really not understand this? All right. 
Let's just say you want to become a franchisee with Tim Hortons. Let's talk about cost. Tim Hortons owns the land and builds the location, so now you got to pay rent every month to corporate headquarters. You also pay a weekly royalty and a monthly marketing fee. So the corporate headquarters is taking between 17 and 19% of your gross profits every month right off the top. Now, if you think Tim Hortons corporate is giving franchisees a break on this because of the new minimum wage, give your head a shake, not a chance. What about startup costs? A full Canadian franchise varies from 430 grand to 480 grand plus taxes, at least $144,000 of which must be cash or liquid, in addition to $50,000 in working capital also having to be cash or liquid. The remaining amount may be financed through the bank. Thank you very much for that. Info on franchise profits is tough to come by, so we have to go back to a McLean's article from 2008 where we find the average Tim Hortons franchisee made 265 grand after all expenses and before taxes. So let's say in 2018 it's 300k. Is that fair? Now, if you have 30 employees in your franchise earning minimum wage, each one of them will be earning an extra $5,000 a year. That's an additional 150 grand out of your pocket in expenses cutting your income in half. Is it worth it to have to deal with people quitting all the time and other staffing issues, having to work long hours and weekends, paying back bank loans, dealing with head office, and whatever other headaches you have to endure to have your income cut in half now? No, 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 no. The real villains here are one, the Ontario government, who were warned repeatedly this would happen by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, yet refused to commission even a basic impact assessment to see what would happen, and Tim Hortons corporate for throwing their franchisees under the bus. If Ontarians are mad and they want to protest, that's who they should be yelling at, not the little guy. Back to Mackling and McGarry. Thank you, Shadows. It's Mackling and McGarry in the morning. Some good things have come out of that video the San Jose Sharks made referring to Winnipeg as the worst city in the NHL. I think it's Winnipeg. It's every time it's so cold and dark there. It's, I, don't, I don't like there. Winnipeg? Yeah. Dark, cold, hotel. <laughs> it's a little, little questionable. <laughs> Internet doesn't work ever. I don't know if they have Wi-Fi there yet, so... Yeah, yeah, let's go with Winnipeg then. It's a bit cold. <laughs> it's inspired us to have some conversation about the great city things about our city. The hotel thing has my head because <laughs> most of us know where the, the, ah, the it's just, players I've stay. hung around hockey players for a quarter, well, a good chunk of my life, and that's just the trash talk that goes on there. Are, are that they that ju- video was made just to have some fun and... I, uh, I I don't know. I, I kind of I chuckle at at how some people have reacted. I know we've been taking it with a grain of salt. <laughs> well, big time. Some people have been out and out and salt. <laughs> and, 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 and I, I don't I, know why. Well, I think the thing is is Winnipeg is like a target. A lot of places. All the time. People pick on Winnipeg TV shows. Uh, you Commercials. Know, like, yeah, always. And and so kind of this was just another one of those. Another one of those things. Oh, Winnipeg's just Winnipeg's a target again. But we, it's not a see. Like I don't see it that way. We are we are. A, a, is it an antonym or a synonym? I guess more for tough, 
for cold, for isolated, but not always in a bad way. Like, Jerry, Winnipeg has kind of become a character in Hollywood, in television, and when people say Winnipeg, it evokes a certain portrayal, a certain vision, and I think we should be super cool with that. We should be embracing that. I mean, we are the brunt of the joke. Embrace it. We're Why famous. not? Yeah. Exactly. It's that old axiom. It doesn't matter what they're saying about you as long as they are saying something about you. Yeah, but there, you can't you can't deny that when there are times though where Winnipeg is kind of the the butt of of the joke. It's sort of the, like a default, much like we often will default make cracks about Saskatchewan. Hundred percent. Whereas Winnipeg, I remember going the one time I was in Montreal and I was introduced uh, to a colleague's friend as being from Montreal from Winnipeg, and her reaction was. Oh, sorry to hear that. And it was, <laughs> and it wasn't. She wasn't joking. No, no, no. they quite and, often and, aren't. And, 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 and I don't know. Maybe it's just it's just people are so used to it and hearing it. And, yeah. and us, we're we're hardy. Like we can we can take it, right? Well, we're, we should be able to pretty, take it. We're, we're fairly easygoing. We're people, pretty thin-skinned on some of these things, though, and but I don't the, like that. We're our own worst, our own worst enemies. I can't tell you how many times. I have been speaking with Winnipeggers, and I've said, yeah, we've moved to Winnipeg from B.C. twice. Mm-hmm. And the common reaction is, oh, so you're out on a day pass today, are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, But I love Winnipeg. I think it is absolutely fabulous. I love Winnipeg because of the people, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. There is not a more caring city in the world. And... You know, some of the benefits that we have here, and I know we talk about, you know, the taxes and stuff like that, disparaging sometimes, but boy, live somewhere else if you think we have it bad here. And the quality of life, the ability, even as bad as our traffic is, the ability to go from one side of the city to the other in 45 minutes or less. It used to be 15, right? We used to say you could get anywhere from anywhere in 15 minutes, but uh, under an hour, right? Exactly. You live in another city and... I'm telling you, they do not have that benefit. And never mind. I mean, just our access to the outdoors and amazing places to go. Uh, From my house to my brother's cottage on the east side of Lake Manitoba is exactly 100 kilometers. We go up to the the east side of Lake Winnipeg to our friend's cottages. We're there in under an hour, and we're in the middle of the boreal forest. I mean, the things that you can do from here in such a short amount of time, Jerry, is incredible. That's amazing. When I when I was growing up, I, I lived in southern Ontario, and to get to the cottage was a four and a half hour drive. Yeah, I have a family in southern Ontario. Same thing. They have a cottage, but it's a four hour drive. And I, ooh, I'm I'm I think they might actually have a, a fly in component as well. It's uh, particularly isolated, uh, so that's kind of an extreme example. But yeah, you, you, we ha- we have access to so much cottage country in the immediate vicinity, uh, or you can you're, you're not that far from northwestern Ontario if you want to go mm-hmm. further into there. So all sorts of uh, stuff for for nature lovers, that's for sure. Jerry, you've been here how long now? Uh, two years. Okay, so what uh, what's do you have a, a favorite? thing about Winnipeg? I love uh, Assiniboine Park. Love it. I mean, it's it's within walking distance from where I live, so I get a nice walk going there. You can walk around the park. It's beautiful. There's a nice trail right along the river that I, I like to take. It It's like you're in the middle of the forest, really, when you're going there. You've got to the Leo Mall uh, Sculpture Garden, which I just love. 
and uh, the the English Garden there too. I just, it's just serene. It's somewhere to go to just unwind. You know, I love it. I, I've been to a lot of cities in North America, and when you talk about the cultural components that mm. we have here, it rivals anywhere. Uh, we have like Friday night. We're going. We're. Bo- I'm going to see uh, come from away. You're going Sunday, Brett. I know. I think you're going Friday, Chantilly. And so uh, we have world class theater. It's not every night, and you can't walk down a street and go, "Yeah, I think I'm going to go see this one tonight." But you get Rainbow Stage. You've got MTC. You've got the one of the best ballet companies on the planet. WSO is always doing incredible yeah. things, like the Kurt Browning uh, show that we're giving tickets away for, and and, and the list is essentially endless on that stuff. Like the stuff we have, like the the art scene here is pretty in- incredible. And I think a lot of people, like, I don't know, from outside, like, they don't maybe realize what kind of cultural yeah, scene that we have. Who cares what it's the pretty, people from outside it's, think? Uh, it's, it's about us. No, it is. It's pretty incredible. And so the thing, and it's, I was thinking about this morning, there is, you're you're never bored here. There is so much. To, there's yeah. so much to do, right? And it's it's a good problem to have. Is almost too many things to choose from, right? Even in the winter, like you know, I'm always looking at events that are coming up, and it's like, even in the winter, there's still a lot of great things going on. Like we have the the ice castles at the Forks. There's a there's like um, that curling bond spiel coming up, and the Festival de Voyageur. Um, there's all those great outdoor activities. I know a lot of my friends have been going skating during their lunch hour at the Forks. Well, and you think about in the summertime, the amount of festivals that we have. You know, I'm going to go back to July 1st of last year. I don't know that I have ever had a day that I've been more proud to be a Winnipegger uh, and and a Manitoban. Uh, Because as we drove from our place up in the northeast corner of the city, uh, we uh, went by the Forks, saw that it was absolutely packed there, went by uh, uh, Osborne. It was absolutely jammed with people there and then made our way to Assiniboine Park where there were more thousands and thousands of people. It was like the whole city was out celebrating that day. And I just thought, man, anybody who wants to slag Winnipeg should be here on this day and then shut the you-know-what up. Jerry? Well, I, I'd like to go back to what Greg said not that long ago. He says, who cares what everyone outside thinks? And I think that's what a lot of Winnipeggers think. So we're not getting it out there. We're not letting people know how how great we are and all the great things that we can do, all the culture that we have, all the arts that we have. We don't tell everyone about that. It's like we want to keep it for ourselves. And so, of course, they're going to make fun of us. They don't know about all this stuff because we don't want to tell them. Well, when I lived from away, and I've said this before, when I lived away in Alberta twice and in the Okanagan Valley, people that got to know me got tired of me bragging about Winnipeg mm-hmm. to the point where they tell me, well, if it's so good, why don't you go back? And I have. I've That's come terrible. back three times. And the, the quality of life, Kelly, and the things that we can no. do here economically versus living in British Columbia. Yeah, it's beautiful to wake up and see Lake Okanagan uh, when you're living in Vernon or seeing Kalamalka Lake or wherever you might live. Yeah, Not everybody can afford feel- a $500,000 house, though. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and our airport, our airport is like right here in the city. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like practically down the street from... Yeah, from, from our, just about everyone. From, yeah, ex- exactly. And I mean, so normally a lot of times you fly into and a big city. a world-class city. airport. It too, is. Shallow, it absolutely so. is, right? And you fly and it's like an hour outside the city. I I remember one time being in Edmonton, there was a snowstorm came in. Nobody could get to the airport. People were trying to walk to the airport, and oh it was an God. hour away. And then they you had to cancel all of the flights. And in Winnipeg, like, 
That wouldn't have happened. Just would yeah. have been another day. That's a really yeah. a good point. Great uh, text message picking up on the Winnipeg as a character thing. Was in Las Vegas a few years ago, and one of my friends was caught jaywalking. The cop asked him if he was from Winnipeg. <laughs> we all had a good <laughs> chuckle about it. Let us know what you think at 204-780-6868. You can text us. You can email brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com. This is Macaulay and McGarry, Shadow Davis Show on the 680 CJOB. Mackling McGarry, it's the Shadow Davis Show on this pre-Friday or Friday Eve, Thursday as Don calls it. One of our loyal listeners, 780-6868, good to connect with you, Don. Hey, uh, with all the fanfare about the changes in terms of options for transportation in our city, it turns out Uber might not be here right away on March 1st after all. Here's Shadow Davis. Good morning. Are you getting excited about Uber's impending arrival in Winnipeg? Well, the decks have been cleared, all systems are go. Uber said they look forward to serving Winnipeg as soon as March 1st. But hold on there, Bubba Louie! Come on! Uber may not be letting it ride after all. They've done a 180 on us, and here's why, according to a report from Brittany Greenslade on globalnews.ca. Uber said Manitoba Public Insurance wants drivers to be insured based on hours worked instead of a blanket policy, which would allow drivers more flexibility. Here's what Uber said in a submission to the Public Utilities Board. MPI is proposing a rideshare insurance product that would function as an add-on to drivers' personal basic coverage. Drivers would purchase add-on ride-sharing coverage in time bands, depending on which times of day a driver wants to drive. I suppose their reasoning being it's safer in daylight hours, right? Well, Uber said that structure deviates in several important ways from the type of insurance that Uber has found to be effective in North America. And based on that, they would unfortunately be unable to consider expansion of services to Winnipeg on March 1st, 2018. After all, So is this just a bargaining chip Uber is playing in hopes of getting MPI to change their coverage proposal for ride-sharing? Or are they serious? Listen, they know the province and the city have already jumped through quite a few flaming hoops to make this happen, and I'm sure there's many more to come. The taxicab coalition has been quiet lately, but we can expect to hear more out of them soon, I'd assume. So it's possible Uber is banking on the city asking-slash-begging the province to make the changes that Uber wants to see for blanket ride-sharing policies with MPI without the time bans, because if they don't, there's going to be some serious egg on their faces, right? And from what I'm seeing, people are totally stoked about Uber finally coming to Winnipeg, and for it to not happen because of an MPI snafu would not sit well with the public. The other big name in ride-sharing, which is Lyft, by the way, L-Y-F-T, say... They also see some issues with the MPI insurance model. MPI has responded saying they're prepared to provide blanket commercial policies that provide contingent and excess coverage in the event of one of their operators is driving on the platform without proper vehicle insurance and blah, 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 blah. So far, no resolution. However, I'm personally optimistic that it's just posturing at this point that could possibly cause a delay in Uber service, which again was supposed to be March 1st in Winnipeg. In the meantime, we can all still call Unicity 
speak to a rude dispatcher, wait 45 minutes for them to finally arrive, and then listen to the driver talk on his Bluetooth all the way to the airport. Back to Mackling and McGarry. Shadow, you could download the Unicity app. It's quite awesome. 722 on this Friday Eve. I was born in a small town And I live in a small town that music means it is time for the Small Town Salute, brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart. Southbeachcasino.ca is the website, and this week we are feeling lucky. We're hurrying hard to southwestern Manitoba and the community of Killarney. We're joined by Elaine Hunt. She's the chair for the hosting committee for the Scotty's Provincial Women's Curling Tournament, Bond Spiel, however you want to phrase it. She joins us now. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning. Are you tired? Besides being cold, are you tired? Has it been a, uh, a busy few days for you and your committee? Yes, it's been a very busy week. And yes, it's cold, and we're tired too. <laughs> All good. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit uh, about Killarney before we uh, uh, drill down a little bit on the curling, and uh, tell us about life in Killarney and a geography lesson, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, okay. Killarney um, is a small town in southwestern Manitoba. We're very proud of it. We're like a resort in the summertime. Our population grows almost doubles because of summer and our lake. And in the winter, our center is our Shamrock Center, where we have a curling rink and a hall, bowling alley, and hockey arena. So we very, feel very fortunate to live in a community like this. We have all the added medical attention, doctors, optometrists, dentists, chiropractors, physiotherapists. So we think we're... We're a little town, but we're a big town. Yeah, and I'm a little biased too. My uh, stepdad works at Tri Lake uh, Health Center, so that's an incredible oh. facility <laughs> there. And I know it the is, Shamrock yeah. Center was something that has been a passion project of the community for a very long time. When did it open? Yeah. And uh, just tell us about the community effort that was required to, to build the Shamrock Center. It opened in 2008. And it required, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly how many years they worked on <clears throat> building it, but now it's a facility and we're very proud of it. It's um, very spacious, we've got lots of room, and if we didn't have the Shamrock Centre, we couldn't host an event like the Scotties. Now, as far as the Scotties goes, as chair for the hosting committee, uh, how much, I guess, when did the the process begin for you in terms of getting ready for this event? Uh, the process began, we got word in, I think it was November of 2016 that we were going to host in 2018. And that's when we started. We started off a little bit slow, picking our chair people and getting everything in order. And then we probably really started planning about March of 2017 and we worked through a couple of months. We took the summer off, and then fall and into the first part of winter, we worked hard. November and December were very busy, and of course, the last two weeks, we've lived at the Shamrock Centre, and that's all we've talked about. So if we want to come out for the day, or maybe even come out overnight, are there options for mm -hmm. us in terms of uh, hotels and places to stay? And if we can't stay in Killarney, uh, what are some of our other options if we want to make a weekend of it? 
Well, options for accommodations right now in Clarny are very minimum. We've got it filled with curlers, officials, media. There were some rooms available for fans, and I'm just not too sure about what, if anything, is left. Uh, Boys of Ain is close by, and they have a nice wilderness inn. That might be an option, or if after that, it would have to be Brandon. Well, it sounds like uh, it's a very busy week, and it's going to be an even busier weekend down in Killarney. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brett, they have amazing golf in Killarney as well. The Killarney Golf Course is fantastic. We do. Oh. We do. How, lo- how far of a drive is it? To come to Killarney. How far of a drive is it from Winnipeg? Um, uh, two and a half hours. Okay, that that can be done. Yeah, well, Minnewast is kind of sorted down the road. Like we could do like a little southern Manitoba little little tour. You know, we could head we south, could. do Kingswood. We have, yeah, we have lots of golf courses up here. Well, Boisvain, Clarney, Pleasant Valley. Oh, this Pleasant Valley is very good call, Elaine. Yeah, yes, Pleasant yep. Valley's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Only about eighteen <clears> minutes our, away. Yeah, and our Clarney golf course here is. One of a kind, we we say. Yeah, e- Elaine, very nice. Thank you so much for this. We appreciate your thank time, you. and thanks for the yeah. work that you're doing in hosting the provincial Scotties. We know it's a it's a lot okay. of work. Congratulations to your community, and now uh, we'll we'll see you sooner than later down in Killarney. Okay, thanks very much. Elaine Hunt, chair for hosting committee for the Scotties Provincial Curling Tournament, which just began this week on the Shadow Davis Show with Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Little Iron Maiden for the mayor of Winnipeg, Brian Bowman, joining us in studio. A harrowing uh, ride into work this morning, Mayor Bowman. Or <laughs> it's not chilly. It's a, it, no, it's a, it's a slow ride. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta leave early. The roads are a little slick, so it's. Uh, it's it's cold. Dress warm. I take care of your pets. Look after your neighbors. Uh, it's it's a cold one out there today. Uh, yeah, sure. we mentioned earlier that you were going to be on and that we have a limited amount of time. So do you mind if we just jump right into yeah, let's this? Do it. You Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year yeah. to you as well. You gathered uh, the media earlier this week to wish well, them a Happy New Year. Well, actually, truth be told, I was getting interview requests, so they asked me for it. So I. You obliged? Yeah, I, I try to be. I try to be as uh, as accessible and available to media as I can. Well, so, we appreciate sure. that. And you addressed yeah. a variety of issues from the police parking concerns to meter parking fiasco downtown, San Jose Sharks uh, <clears throat> giving us a hard time, and uh, the police helicopter going Hollywood. The Saturday parking downtown. Oh, Where man. do you stand on that? Like uh, <laughs> complimentary doesn't <laughs> mean long? you have to buy something first. Yeah, how long? You know, do we co- complimentary is free, right? Yeah, I, it's not buy one get one. Well, com- what's what's the situation? You know what? I, so I, I was at a hockey tournament over the the holidays. I was at the Iceplex. Uh, my uh, my Timmy's was almost spilled when I first saw that because uh, common sense has to prevail. I think the parking authority did the right thing by reversing the uh, uh, you know those tickets. Uh, it should never have happened though. And uh, you know my comments to the media on uh, on Tuesday were that uh, you know we need we need a little more common sense at City Hall, and that was a that was a prime example where just common sense didn't prevail. I mean I. You know, I park downtown as well. I've done it for years, like many Winnipeggers. And, you know, uh, I don't know how anyone could think that it's free once you pay. Uh, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. So they did the right thing and uh, it shouldn't have happened. And uh, uh, hopefully it'll never happen again. I mean, you want to you want to make sure everybody knows what the ground rules are. Winnipeggers are, are fair. Uh, they will uh, as long as you communicate uh, properly. Um, but uh, right now it's uh, it's free. 
So there was some follow-up confusion after, though, right? Because they changed the stickers, and so I think it, there was there, there was no mention of complimentary parking, if memory serves. So where does it stand right now? My understanding is it's uh, it's it's complimentary. I mean, uh, it's it's free on the weekends, and so uh, that's that's my understanding. Uh, my I also understand the parking authority is doing some additional work just to make sure that they are communicating properly. Uh, we haven't made any changes to to the rules since I've been elected, so that's why it was a surprise to me and to to members of council. You called for some common sense earlier this week, and do you get the sense that the public believes that city departments are kind of working in these silos? That maybe there's a lack of communication internally, Mayor? Yeah, well, you know what? Look, let's look at the city hall we inherited. I mean, the the city hall we inherited, I mean, was was marred with. Uh, uh, with scandal. I mean, we've got an ongoing RCMP investigation. There were accusations of corruption. I mean, it uh, it was a mess. And this council and uh, and uh, our new CAO, uh, if I can call uh, Doug New now. I mean, we've been we've been all working collectively very hard to to clean things up and to build this city for the future. Um, there are departments. Uh, my experience. So I'm new to public service. I mean, I've never, I've never, you know, never served in this role before or an elected office before. And when I came in, one of the things that that did surprise me was how how siloed various departments were, and that's why we've taken proactive steps uh, like creating a new project management officer. So this is a senior position that helps make sure the right hand and the left hand on major capital projects is working. And then we we also made some changes so that every month proactively online, we're pushing out how every dollar in capital expenditures is is being spent. Uh, these and other steps are done to uh, to make improvements. And there's still more work to do uh, as we see when issues uh, when issues pop up. One of the issues that popped up this week, of course, was the police parking downtown when the Winnipeg Police Association spoke out, their president, mm-hmm. Mo Sabrin, referring to a lack of secure parking after a robbery attempt over the weekend. So uh, they're saying 100 incidents as employees go to and from work. Uh, but a lot yeah. of people work downtown, not just police officers who have to park on the street or parking lots yeah. and the like. So what's your... I've worked o- I've worked downtown for, uh, for uh, almost 20 years and... Uh, you know, uh, the, the issue did pop up because the the, the union uh, went public with some uh, some concerns. But uh, let's also be clear. I mean, uh, issues uh, regarding the police headquarters are not new, uh, and this issue of parking uh, was was identified early as well. I mean, if you want to talk about one file that makes my blood boil, it's that R- it's it's the new it's the new headquarters and the fact there's an ongoing RCMP investigation that's that's ongoing. Um, we're going to continue to work with the Winnipeg Police Service. Uh, the women and men of the Winnipeg Police Service do incredibly difficult work. Um, and I know Winnipeggers are grateful for the work they do and they want to see them uh, as safe as possible. But uh, I also want to see Winnipeggers safe downtown. And so our efforts are are really focused on how do we build a, a downtown that's more vibrant, that has more pedestrians, more people on the streets, so you're not the only person on the block walking by yourself. Um, not just uh, in terms of actual safety, but perceptions of safety change when there's a lot of people around. And so it's uh, it's definitely something that there'll be ongoing dialogue with the police service. I was very pleased to hear the uh, the premier uh, this week indicate that that he would be willing to uh, to try to resolve the issue. And I, and that's a that's great news from the premier. Wasn't one of the solutions supposed to be 
a parkade adjacent to the new Sky City that is supposed to be going up basically across the street from the police headquarters. And September, the you know St. Regis Hotel was supposed to be demolished. It, it feels to a lot of people as though that project is on a little bit of a standstill. And I know I'm I'm kind of yeah. bringing this out of my uh, hip pocket here, not yeah, my intention. Not allowed Mara. to do that. Yeah. I, I, I apologize <laughs> for, for doing that. No, but no, that's what's supposed to be yeah. part of the the solution here, right? There's yeah, I mean there's there's a, a variety of of developments that are happening downtown and and part. Parking is is part of many of them. I mean, we we need to make sure that people can drive and and find, you know, good places to park downtown. We also want to make sure it's accessible by active transportation and for pedestrians. And the big challenge for for city council, when the city is growing, it's getting more dense, is making sure you can keep people moving. I mean, that's that's really kind of a, a core competency for 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 city council going forward is how do you keep the city moving? Drivers, cyclists, public transportation. And um, one of the developments that that is something I'm I'm watching very very cl- closely right now is the artist development. I mean, this is a 40 plus story tower, um, and uh, and it's right on uh, right at Portage in Maine. And so uh, that True North Square and some of the other developments that uh, that you're you're chatting about right now are uh, are really important for the development of city, and many of them include parking as well. Mayor Brian Bowman, how are taxpayers uh, supposed to wrap their head around this deal? With uh, Alex Forrest, uh, head of the firefighters union, his two thirds of his salary paid for um, by the city. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, you want to talk about uh, legacy from previous administration. I mean, this was a deal that was struck in the final months of the previous administration. And so when uh, I learned of it last week, and I know our, our finance chair and other members of council learned of it last week, um, you know, Councillor Scott Gillingham is not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I'd like to rip it up. I mean, uh, the reality is, is that it's a, a binding legal agreement that is uh, is in force in perpetuity. Um, what I'd like to do is is have it revisited and scrapped in the next round of collective agreements. And uh, my understanding is uh, is uh, Alex Forrest has indicated that uh, that that that's something that they would entertain, which I think is is a good step. Um, but uh, the broader question is for me is how could this ever have been entered into? Uh, in, a, in a way that really wasn't open and transparent. I mean, uh, I mean, when you've got members of council and you've got myself, the mayor, uh, not even realizing it's in existence because it was a deal outside of the collective bargaining process, um, you know, uh, that's just uh, that's a spillover from uh, from uh, an era where we're we're continuing to to chip away and, and end. You mentioned that word transparency, and that was one of the things, one of the major platforms you ran on, yeah. uh, Mayor Bowman. How do you think you're doing on that front? Well, we, you know, we, we have more work to do, but you know what? I'm, I am really proud of it. And uh, of course, you're going to hear me say that. You're going to hear uh, members of council who are collaboratively working hard to, to, to continue to, to make uh, City Hall and our municipal government more open and transparent. But, uh, but there's an open, uh, an open cities uh, index that's done nationally. And last year, we moved from 10th place, leapfrogged over many cities, including Calgary. We're now third place in the country for major cities in terms of that, ma- that open cities uh, index and what they look at is our open government and our open data initiatives to just get more information out. Um, I mean, you can go online and see the, the the contracts of our of our auditor. You can see the the contract of our CAO. You can uh, you can look every month and see literally every dollar that uh, taxpayers are spending for capital projects in real time. 
And uh, and these these are are some of the initiatives that we're doing in addition to whistleblower protection, integrity commissioner, um, you know, many of the other the other measures that we've brought in. So we're making real progress on on that. What it means, though, and what what has been interesting for me is as you become more open and transparent, there's more debate on issues because people are learning more about what's going on. And I think that's a healthy thing. I mean, these are tax dollars. We work for Winnipeggers, and that scrutiny is something that I think helps lead to better government. And you'll be working on that in your next term as mayor if you're reelected. <laughs> you know what? Right now, we've got a job to do uh, this year, and I'm focused on working every day right now for, for Winnipeggers. So uh, that's a topic for another day, not today. Mayor Brian Bowman, thank you for the visit and the access. Yeah, we thanks, appreciate guys. It Have a great much. day. One, two, three. Three things with Shanelie Vidal. Three things about dogs? You seem so surprised. You are a cat person, so I'm very proud of you for coming around on the dog front. I I am a cat person, but I do appreciate dogs. I think dogs are great. Well, that's perfect. I'm a dog person who appreciates cats, so we're on sort of the same vibe here. What's the the first thing that's uh, going down today in... First thing that's going down dog world. in the dog world, the American Kennel Club is recognizing two breeds of dogs. And get this, the names are like super long, probably okay. even longer than their tails. Okay. Okay. So yesterday in the news, Richard and Julie spoke with Larry Carolluck, director of the Can- Canadian Kennel Club in Manitoba, about the two new breeds. Well, I think they're both relatively new to the uh, to the American Kennel Club. Um, the, the Dutch one, we'll call them the Quaker. How's that for ease of pronunciation? Uh, they're a sporting dog uh, used for duck hunting. Uh, the other one, the Grand um, Basset Gravon, we have the cousin, the PBGB, the Petite Basset Gravon. They're a hunting dog. They're a pack dog. They're used for hunting um, rabbits and, and hares. Actually, these are the first breeds added to the roster since 2016 mm, okay. and uh, both are eligible to compete in dog shows this year but they can't compete in the big fancy Westminster dog show until 2019 oh that's that's a rip off <laughs> it was funny because we once had the I think uh, last time the dog shows on we had it on in the newsroom and it was just fascinating it's addicting <laughs> yeah I see I've just found the names of these dogs I'm gonna give at least one of them a shot the first one is Nader Lunse. Koiker Hanje. That's not bad. And the second one is Grand Basset Griffon Vadeon. Oh, hey, look at that. Good job, McGarry. Yeah, sometimes uh, it, 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 best in show, one of the best movies uh, of, of all time, in my opinion. It's a great way to experience the uh, the Kennel Club show. Uh, what's number two? Well, we talked about later you know, fancy dog shows. So speaking of fancy things, if you like fancy things and you're going to Boston, you're definitely going to want to check out the Museum of Fine Art, even though it's now gone to the dogs. How so? Well, on Wednesday, the museum introduced its newest addition to the staff, a Weimar Honor puppy named Riley. Oh. Now, Weimar Honors are like hunting dogs as well. They're used a lot in Great Britain by the royal family. Uh, so Riley will be trained to sniff out insects or other pests that could be- potentially damage priceless works of oh. art. A spokesperson for the museum said that insects are an ongoing concern for museums and they're already are existing protocols in place to handle potential infestations, but Riley is going to add another layer to help sniff out pests that humans just can't see. And uh, they actually aren't aware of any other institutions using a dog to uh, to do similar do similar work. It's a gorgeous dog, by it, the way. W e i m a r a n e r Weimar 
Girl, I, I thought it. you were gonna say it's a gorgeous museum. Well, I'm an owner. It's a beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. <laughs> and a, it, I haven't been to that museum. It's the fourth largest uh, museum of art in the United States, by the way. It's uh, pretty big. Now, for our third thing, speaking of dogs with jobs, this one is this one is an amusing story out of St. Brunswick, uh, out of St. John, New Brunswick. Okay, you, you gotta love a police dog, especially when they they get their man. So. Police say they responded to a theft called a local store and they spotted a man in his mid-20s running away. Didn't get very far because he might have chosen to steal the wrong items. What did he take? He was found carrying, get this, okay, three club packs of steaks. Yeah, that'll that'll catch a dog's attention. Of course, the canine officer had no trouble sniffing out the suspect and uh, collaring the carnivorous culprit. Hey, uh, meat is a big, uh, big product on the black market right now. Steak is expensive. You know, 30, 40 bucks for three or four big juicy steaks. So put that in your jacket and yeah, you can sell it for 20 bucks or so or so I've heard. Wow. Yeah. You've heard, eh? Gives a new definition to the terminology street meat. <laughs> the thing, the things I learned from you, Greg. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Dog's Purpose. Have you seen it yet? You know what? It was on. It was on uh, one of the movie channels yes. the other day. I almost watched. It, and I, and it. I, I heard it's really sad. Make sure you have also Kleenex. Insp- and so I, I want to see because I heard it's so good. And and I didn't realize it's about like one dog, but like he's in five different. He's five different dogs. Yeah. Or- yeah. And and filmed all in Manitoba. Yes. The Manitoba scenery is fantastic. And they put the University of Manitoba in the middle of downtown Chicago somehow uh, with green screen or something. It looks pretty cool. It, it would be what the University of Manitoba would have looked like if it would have stayed in downtown Winnipeg. So really neat. Next time it comes up, I'm going to hit record and, and give it a watch. Yeah, you'll have to be prepared to watch it, though. I do have Kleenex at home. Shanley Vidal, three things with Shanley Vidal heard every day on the Shadow Davis show after the 8 o'clock news on 680 CJOB. Andrea just texted us 204-780-6868 and at least an attempt to help Andrea te- sent pronounced because I guess you tried to, to say yeah. Weimar on her, yeah. but uh, she said pronounced and just and changed the, the word, the first part to W-H-Y, Weimar but then the rest is M-E-R. A N E R. So, so is, does that mean why Mariner? Is that why <laughs> Mariner? Is it why Mariner? Need a little bit more help, Andrea. <laughs> Phonetics are helpful, but thank you for we, for uh, taking part in that because we do. Uh, like I said, that first one, Ne Derlanse Koiker Hanje. That's a yeah, that's a, a goofy name for a dog. There's an anti-Me Too movement in France right now. Shadow Davis explains. Hello, good morning. A new twist to the Me Too movement that's empowered many women worldwide. Some saying too much. 100 French women, including actress Catherine Deneuve and other high-profile actors, writers, academics, and businesswomen, have all signed an open letter denouncing Me Too as a hatred of man and sexuality. Also included in this open letter, things like men's freedom to pester is indispensable to sexual freedom. The movement chains women to the status of eternal victim by framing them as poor little things who are dominated by demon phallocrats. A phallocrat, by the way, is a male who assumes authority over females based upon his maleness. I know, I had to look it up too. 
The letter goes on. The Me Too movement has spawned a wave of hatred toward the accused who are mentioned in the same breath as sexual aggressors without being given the chance to defend themselves. This new type of swift justice has already claimed its victims with men forced to resign when all they did wrong was touch a knee. Of course, the letter has been denounced by prominent feminists everywhere, including Caroline de Haas, who said feminism is not about protecting sexual liberation, but about protecting women, and added, every time that women's rights progress, resistance appears. Okay, okay. At the risk of once again sounding like I'm mansplaining this thing, and I think by now many men are feeling somewhat unfairly demonized because they've done nothing wrong, at least not in their eyes, and we'll come back to wrong in just a moment. But first, let's look at the cases we told you about just yesterday without quick judgment, if possible. 95-year-old Stan Lee accused of groping and demanding he be pleasured by his in-home nurses. No proof, no charges, no lawsuit, just media coverage. Lee has denied it. James Franco accused of trying to lure a 17-year-old to a hotel room by an ex-girlfriend on Twitter, who also accused him of trying to force her to perform fellatio in a moving car while they were in a relationship on Twitter. That's it. Franco says the accusations are inaccurate. And Michael Douglas, who got in front of a story that was going to come out by saying he's being accused of using foul language in front of an ex-employee he hasn't had contact with in 32 years, also of blackballing her in the industry and masturbating in front of her. He denies the allegations vehemently. Okay. I believe Me Too has resulted in some very good things. A woman can now feel free to speak out about abuse and be protected in the workplace. I believe we'll also soon see more women in positions of power and pay equity will become more commonplace as well. Even though some say the pay equity thing is a myth, but that's another story for another time. However, the movement has also brought out the scum. People trying to cash in with false or overblown accusations or bringing up very, very small transgressions that would otherwise go unnoticed, like an accidental brush by, let's say, or a glance that, in their opinion, lasted just a bit too long so as to make it creepy. And this is what I mean by wrong. We all know the extremes, but what about the middle ground? Could a sincerely supportive smile from a male superior be somehow construed as a lechy gesture? Right now, the accusers are winning, and they're winning with absolutely no proof whatsoever in the court of public opinion. And that is wrong. I mean, do we now have to record every private interaction with the opposite sex for fear of future reprisal? It seems kind of over the top, doesn't it? Back to Mackling and McGarry. Mackling McGarry and Shadow Davis Show. Thank you, Shadow. It's 8.43, coming up on 8.44 yesterday afternoon. Hal Anderson... Sitting in for Mackling McGarry from one till four, <laughs> uh, visited with uh, the leader of the opposition party here in Manitoba. We'll tell you about their discussion and play some highlights from that. It's a discussion about something that is very critical, a critical situation, methamphetamine. We've been discussing it at length for the last several months and a different perspective on that conversation and that situation from Wab Canoe in conversation with Hal Anderson in just a few moments. We'll hear that chat as well. And before we do that, who won the tickets behind the glass, Jerry? Corey Oben. Corey Oben won the tickets today and will be entered into our draw for tomorrow for a VIP meet and greet. Music of the Ice with Kurt Browning. The question was, what medal did Joanne Rochette win when she 
competed in the 2010 Olympics just days after her mother died, and she won the bronze. So our winners this week will all go into a draw. What are we going to do? Are we going to get a hat? They're going to get a VI. The winner will get a VIP meet and greet with Kurt Brown. How, how are we going to pick the winner, though? Are we going to put five, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a hat, and then just pick the winner yeah. like that? Yeah, let's do that. All right. We'll put that on Facebook Live. Or in a, or 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 in a toque. Yeah, in a toque. That's very Canadian of you. Um, this is actually, it's a video of the American announcers on NBC commenting on Joanie's uh, performance. Uh, this, again, is just days after her mother passed away. This was in the, uh, the free skate portion of the competition. I've never seen such a, a superhuman amount of courage, determination. What an inspiration. Under these circumstances... It is the stuff of Olympic legend. And you can hear the, uh, the the color commentator there at the beginning was so choked up, could barely uh, speak, just overwhelmed by emotion. So Joanne uh, showed her Canadian spirit there, earning herself the bronze medal. And we'll have one more pair of tickets to give away for tomorrow. And then as Greg pointed out, we'll put all the names into a toque and find a winner for the VIP meet and greet. The weather, of course, as you've noticed this morning, roads a little dicey in spots, snow drifts. We've had school cancellations. We had some highways closed. All hope highways are open again. But it's going to be cold for a little while, so we thought we'd ask our friend David Phillips, who is Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada, to tell us when this is all going to settle down a little bit. Good morning, Mr. Phillips. How are you? I'm well, Brett. Yourself? Doing very well. Thank you so much for the access, as always. And uh, we thought we were kind of out of the woods when it came to that deep freeze, but here we go again. Yeah, I mean, another bout of it. It won't be as long and as brutal as what you've had. I mean, we have already been conditioned, acclimatized to what nature can throw at you. Had a kind of a burst of weather. You could have slept through it. It was kind of a hit and run. And uh, we'll be out of the province in a couple of hours. And conditions have improved dramatically in uh, in Winnipeg. But yeah, some some uh, highways and streets are a little bit uh, slick. But um, what we saw there was a weather system in the Dakotas that uh, not a lot of snow. Associated with it, but it came it came into the province at the same time. There was a, a ridge building in uh, in Alberta, sending a lot of ushering in a lot of cold weather from the north, and that ugly combination, guys, uh, produced those powerful winds. I saw gusts of up to fifty and blowing and drifting snow. Not a big lot, a lot of snow, but it made conditions uh, uh, pretty pretty bleak in parts, so particularly in the Red River Valley. So that's out. And then, of course, what happens after that is uh, is almost like a weather-free zone. Uh, we don't see any kind of uh, weather to storm stay you, but boy, uh, a bit cold. Uh, temperatures that could be, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10 degrees colder than normal. Uh, and then maybe by this time next week, we see a bit of a, of a warm-up where we get single-digit highs. The temperatures would be actually above the, uh, above the uh, not above the freezing mark, maybe not quite there, but, but certainly above normal for that time of the year. David, we've been having the conversation. We can live with the cold, and this yeah. is a part of what we do here in Manitoba. You know that. And, uh, sure. But we've been concerned about the lack of, of moisture. Now, nobody likes to shovel snow. I don't think anybody's complaining yeah. about not having to shovel the snow because really we've only had to do it a handful of times this winter and certainly right. no big dumps of snow. But looking back to January, like 365 days or so, we haven't had a lot of moisture in Manitoba, at least in our recollection. Are, are we viewing that correctly? 
Well, you are. I mean, you know, let, let's look at Snowfall, first of all. I mean, you're right. You haven't done a lot. You're not, Bobby, as good of a shape as you were last year at this time. <laughs> How'd you know? Now, uh, you've had 40 centimeters of snow since September, since when, you know, you start counting those flakes right up till, till yesterday. I, did, I didn't factor in what you had overnight, but there wasn't very much there. Now, normally you'd get about 56, so you're down in the snow column. Now, this time last year, even though last year you guys are right, it was a dry year, but up to this time in that winter, up to that time of this year, uh, a year ago, up to this time, the winter, you had 103 centimeters of snow. So there's a lot of worry about flooding, uh, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when all that snow melts, it was, it was uh, collecting, and then all of a sudden, the snow stopped. You didn't really get any more after that, and certainly helped the flood situation. But what we saw was that certainly the spring and the summer, I mean, uh, you know, you guys maybe were liking it because, hey, it meant, meant for a lot of dry weekends, you ended up with maybe about 60% of the precipitation that you normally would uh, would get. And then the situation, a little bit more precipitation towards the, the end. So you're right. Last year was a dry year, uh, one of the uh, certainly top five or six of the driest years on record. And, um, and a problem for growers and backyard gardeners, but for people who like to drink beer in outdoor patios, that was, uh, it was probably something that they, they kind of, uh, of liked. We look at the precipitation right now, though, and that, that it continues to be a, a bit of a worry. Uh, if we look at the precipitation you've had from, say, September to January of this year, you've had 125 millimeters of precipitation. That's melted snow and rain. So from September the 1st, a Labor Day, to now, we can put that, and that's what farmers are looking at. That's the moisture that will help them with their crops. But this time last year was about 217. So the problem, guys, is that um, the amount of water available for growing stuff this year is even further down than it was last year at this time. So that's a kind of an evolving concern, I would think. Now, David, uh, just looking at uh, the rest of January, yeah. any idea on what we might expect? Well, we're coming up to a, a magic moment, guys, one that I would celebrate. And this is what we call the dead of winter. This is the halfway point where you can actually say there's more winter behind you than ahead of you. And that comes up for Winnipeg around the 13th of January. So Saturday, you know, take out a, a long one and, and cheer to the fact that, <laughs> hey, uh, you, you've survived the, the first half of winter in some tough weather. So you can probably deal with whatever Mother Nature has uh, your way. We're gaining time about a minute and a half a day, and that'll just start galloping into the next month. Now, what we see coming is, um, you know, kind of a, a little bit of back and forth. Uh, nothing that would say that it was going to be colder than, uh, than normal. Nothing saying warmer than normal. Kind of normal is what we think the rest of the, of the winter is going to, to be. So uh, my sense is you've already seen it all. It can't get much worse than it has in terms of cold. I'll make sure I hoist a cold one in your honor. Okay, At the Curling guys. Club on Saturday <laughs> as we right. mark the dead of winter, David Phillips. Thank you for this, as always, sir. You're so welcome. Bye-bye, guys. Bye, David. We always appreciate the access and enjoy our conversations with David Phillips, a very good friend of this radio station, senior climatologist for Environment Canada. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Shanalee Vidal and Behind the Glass, Jerry. And thank you for listening to The Shadow Davis Show on 680 CJOB. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.